You are listening to the weekly podcast of Transformation Life Church in Muskegon, Michigan. We pray you enjoy today's message. Isn't it wonderful to have technology when it works? When you turn it on, it helps. So it is wonderful to be in a tent. This is fun for me. I'm like, I haven't ever been in a tent this year. I've been in a lot of places. So when we walked up, it was like, that's a tent. I wonder if it's for the youth or what. It's like, no, we're having service in a tent. So this is, uh, this is actually a real blessing for me. And uh, I love this. Um, I've been in all different kinds of places in the church at large. Uh, in the body of Christ is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I love the body of Christ. I was raised uh, in parochial school as a Catholic. And uh, my mom was a Roman Catholic from Ireland. She was a war bride. And uh, my dad uh, converted to Catholicism under uh, getting married and being a part of her family. And so I, um, uh, my dad was career military. And they, uh, after the war, moved to Oklahoma. So I was born on a military base, uh, one of the biggest in our nation, Tinker Air Force Base, where the AWACS and the B-1B get service there in Oklahoma City. And um, so it's, it's, uh, it's great to be here from Oklahoma City. I, I love coming to this part of the country. There's some really, especially West Mi- uh, Michigan, there's some really awesome people here, right? You guys rock. And especially in your love and devotion to Jesus. And so uh, hopefully this technology works. Yeah. So if you need to get a hold of me, uh, I've made a big shift in ministry. I used to be the director of a parachurch organization. And six months ago, um, there was a shift. And now uh, the best way to get a hold of me is just through my website, stephenblack.org. So if you know my name, you can contact me there. Because I may say a lot of things today that you may have questions about, and, uh, and that's good. And I can set up Zoom meetings or uh, come back. Um, I have a book back here in this book table called Freedom Realized, and it has its own website, freedomrealized.org. Now, about 20 years ago, I had set out to write a book, uh, but then at that time, a good friend of mine, David Call Foster, had wrote a book, and it was called Sexual Healing, and it was like, he wrote everything I would want to write about, and so I, I, I tabled the book. So as Pastor was saying, um, I was a part of a network of ministries. Uh, the ministry I used to direct called First Stone in Oklahoma City um, was a, one of the founding ministries of Exodus International in 1976. And uh, First Stone is still there. Uh, Exodus imploded in, it started an implosion in 20, uh, 2008. And what happened is the chairman of that uh, board and the uh, president, Alan Chambers, uh, they started uh, with a divine, they said divine revelation from God, uh, greater than all the reformers that they had received a new vision and understanding of grace. Well, there's nothing new under the sun. And uh, all it was was antinomianism, or what it's called, Bonhoeffer used to call it cheap grace, or what is hyper grace. 
antinomianism, antinomian against the law. And so this idea that grace somehow uh, blankets everything and it doesn't really matter what you do in the body. It's a form of Gnosticism or what is the teaching of the Nicolaitans from the Revelation which Jesus hates. And so what it does is it takes and perverts the grace of God. And uh, in Jude's epistle, uh, he tells us in verse 4 that especially in the last days, they would turn the grace of God into licentiousness, denying even this, our Lord and Master. That sounds like a, a pretty big warning. And I was watching this unfold, and in leadership meetings, when uh, Clark Witten put out his book called Pure Grace, which is pure heresy, and on my, on my blog, uh, you can read an article called The Red Flags Perverting Grace. Almost every one of the red statements are the things that the Exodus leadership were being hit with. And uh, so at that time, what ended up happening was this, this segue to uh, kind of integrate with what was called the Gay Christian Network. And, uh, and what happened with that was taking the idea of antinomianism or hypergrace and marrying it to the American Psychological Association of the Orientation Narrative. Okay, so this idea that orientation is fixed or a person's orient, right, their direction, a person's lust, a person's desire is fixed. When the Bible clearly says that homosexual behavior is unnatural, the American Psychological Association is saying that that is fixed. You can't change these orientations. And so what they did is they took orientation and hypergrace and mix those things together and on the other side of that you get gay christianity lesbian christianity bisexual christianity transgender christianity queer christianity i'm not making this up you can go on youtube now that plus sign means something nancy pelosi said according to what they would want in america which is happening in uh uh, the country above us and the country below us. The country above us passed C4, which is the, uh, the equivalent to what they want in America called the Human, uh, uh, Human Rights Amendment, uh, HR5, uh, House Resolution 5, which is called the Equality Act, which is to make all behavior in LGBTQ and plus sign. Nancy Pelosi says, and yes, we want to include that plus sign. Now, that plus sign means something. And I'll, I'll be talking more about it, but I'm going to go ahead and interject it in context of what the pastor brought up. And that is, is that that plus sign also includes the new psychological orientation of dumbing down the idea of pedophilia to call it MAPS. Has anybody ever heard of MAPS? Very few. You go on YouTube, you can see it. Minor attracted person. Okay, so what that is, is someone, let's say uh, a, a football coach is attracted to prepubescent girls in the elementary school. Or the lady who is the history teacher is very attracted to postpubescent boys. 
that would be a MAP, or postpubescent would be what now they're calling a YAP, a youth-attracted person. So instead of calling it pedophilia, that plus sign is also going to include normalization of pedophilia. Now this is happening in our nation. And if you don't believe me, get on YouTube, start Googling this, and start reading. So in 2012, when I was the chairman of the ministry council at Exodus, um, and what that was was a disempowered board, but it still was supposed to have power of influence to the actual legal board to say, you know, we don't want this. And Alan Chambers went and started communicating this stuff, and in leadership meetings, we heard something like uh, Clark Witten saying, you know, First John wasn't written to Christians. He literally says it, says it in his book. I'm not making any of this up. By the way, you'll see it, and I'll say it here, stephenblack.org slash pastors, or you can go to the top and click on resources, empowering pastors. And everything I say today is footnoted there with documentation. Because it's going to be very important for some of you who are leaders to study this stuff. Because this is an assault on the church of Jesus Christ like never before. And you're going, well, what gives you the authority to talk about that? I'll tell you in a minute. But this, this, this craziness that started on Oprah's network, where uh, Alan Chambers being uh, interviewed by Lisa Ling, which is, nobody changes. Or what he said, he said initially is, of course you can be a practicing homosexual and go to heaven. Do you know that your Bible says the exact opposite of that? And I'll show you here in a minute. So in 2012, when this started really taking off, and there was obviously after leadership meetings and phone calls and other people doing Matthew 18 process, getting people that were a lot smarter than me, like Dr. Robert Gagnon, Dr. David Kalfoster, confronting behind the scenes, doing the appropriate thing you do with leadership. Matthew 18, we started that process, was not heard. It became very, very clear that this thing was falling apart. So I was also a part of the, uh, the founding of the new network of ministries called the Restored Hope Network, which started in April of that same year, 2012. Well, when I heard that Alan Chambers had announced on, on uh, Lisa Ling and, uh, and uh, Oprah's network, 99.9% .9 of people don't change, I knew in the ministry that I was directing, had been directing uh, for 20 years, that we had 25 years of client folders intact. Thank God for Leslie Brown back in, in 1989 said, you know, we need to start keeping track of people because someday it's going to be important. So what is the evidence? So I started thinking, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit dropped this in my heart. What is the real evidence? Because I know I've been ministering to hundreds of men, right? I've been in ministry full-time, 32 years, dealing with some of the most depraved sexual behavior, chaplain in a prison. I've, 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 I've seen the worst of, of sexual sin and brokenness ending in, in murder and rape and all kinds of things. And so I know what it takes to get free, and I knew for sure that I knew hundreds of men 
especially because I minister mostly to men, that they were, there were people really walking in freedom. And I thought, there's no way it's 99%. I know it's got to be at least 30 or 40%, and I'm thinking 50%. So what we did is we took 25 years of client folders, and we started building a survey. And we contacted uh, 1,200 people, tried to. We actually made actual contact with 500. We built this survey, and... The reason this is important is because no other ministry in the United States has ever done anything like this. No, matter of fact, most of the ministries in the United States didn't have this kind of information. They didn't keep um, intact client folders like um, a psychotherapy or a psychologist or a psychiatrist would keep, right? Well, we did. And I was thinking, oh man, if we get, you know, 40, 50% will be doing great. Folks, this is so amazing. You can go to this website and click on the, the, um, uh, the there's a fact sheet and some of the, the main stats that came out is that we, we saw that 93, 94% of the people that came into First Stone said they were completely sexually addicted. Okay. By the time they gave at least one year, many of them more than one year, if anybody knows about addiction, you know the recovery process is at least two to three years, sometimes five to ten years for certain people, depending on the level of brokenness in their history. Well, the stat came back that those who gave at least one year, many of them more, and received pastoral care, good counseling, 72 to 73% went away living life free from labels. And that's why that's the, the subtitle of my book. Not living a revoice mindset. If anybody knows what revoice, that's the new gay Christian movement. And so that's why this is important. And I do have some experience with all this craziness uh, that's been going on. Okay, there we go. So... Know this, that in the last days we have troubling times. And I have a little video clip that's going to initiate just to show you um, just how bad things are. And so we're going to watch this little video clip. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Because I'm a man just like him. Am that woke up in here that calls herself of the LGBTQ community trans or whatever will not be disrespecting and calling sir. Your entire staff has been okay. calling me sir. Okay. I'm a ma'am. My ID say female and he's being rude. Know your pronouns. Know your pronouns. I am a woman and trans. Excuse me, it's ma'am. It is ma'am. Sir? Okay. Take it outside. If you want to call me sir again, I will show you a sir. I apologize now. 
say that pre-K through third grade are not ready for such topics is actually internalized homophobia and transphobia. First graders, a 30 minute lesson called Pink, Blue and Purple aims to teach the six year olds to define gender, gender identity and gender role stereotypes. I think that gender is fluid. So if you want to use a bathroom because that's a place and that's a space where you feel comfortable and safe in doing so, then I think that that's completely fine. I think that if whoever you think you are, if you're male or female, then that's the bathroom you should go into. Feeling like trans people are a threat to you in a space like a bathroom or a locker room is actually a version of internalized misogyny. A man accused of using his cell phone to record a woman inside a restroom in a League City Target store. A 26-year-old called 911 saying she was violated while in the women's restroom at the Bridgewater Falls Target. There's an ongoing investigation regarding an alleged sexual assault in the all-gender restroom. Earlier this year, Smith claims his daughter was sexually assaulted by a gender-fluid boy who liked to wear skirts and when he entered the girl's restroom. The little boy pushed her against the um, bathroom stall. And forcibly touched her, according to a civil rights complaint filed with the Department of Education. So what's in the bill? It modified the landmark Civil Rights Act of 1964, expanding it to ban discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. It means that a person can't be fired from a job because of their sexual orientation. Churches could be prevented from requiring employees to abide by their biblical beliefs about marriage and differences between men and women. Parents in Ohio recently lost custody of their 17-year-old daughter because they declined to put her on testosterone supplements. And a Catholic hospital in Washington settled out of court when the ACLU sued them for declining to perform a double mastectomy on a gender dysphoric 16-year-old girl. And in Philadelphia, the city halted child placements by Catholic Social Services because of the organization's belief that children deserve both a mother and a father. male has just become the first transgender person to win a world title in cycling. First transgender weightlifter winning her maiden international event is Leah Thomas taking first place in the NCAA 500 yard freestyle. She is the first transgender athlete to be crowned NCAA champion. Leah Thomas beat fellow teammate Anna Catalanzi by 38 seconds at the 1653. Thomas could be overheard bragging. That was so easy. I was cruising. His daughter was also forced to share the same locker room as Leah Thomas and be exposed to Thomas's male genitalia. Two transgender athletes took off flying and left all of us girls in the dust. Dominating the competition. As a trans athlete, I'm not a threat to women's sports because I am a woman. Thomas, he's on the fridge, but this one is going to be tougher. A male could be 40% stronger than a female on his legs, things like shoulder width. Those things don't change when transgender women suppress testosterone. They don't get shorter. I can train 20 hours a week, but I cannot train to be a man. Transgender MMA fighter Fallon Fox has really shaken up the sport. Tamika Brent decided to step up and say, I'll fight her, and oh my God, wasn't that a huge mistake? Tamika suffered a concussion and a fractured her orbital bone in her skull. She received several staples in her head. I fought a lot of women and have never felt the strength 
that I felt as I did that night. I can only say I've never felt so overpowered ever in my life. Student at Indiana University of Pennsylvania in a religion class, a class about Christianity, he stated his belief that there are two genders because again, that's biology. And for that, he was told he had to apologize in front of the class, stand silently while they critiqued him for education camp stuff. What about this, having a baby instead of a baby? It's a new term that some parents are using to show that they're bringing up their offspring gender neutral. Sparrow is, I, I would say, anti-gender, which is a term, you know, that means before gender. Like, all children, you know, at this age are developmentally not able to really lie. understand gender that yet. Is a lie. They don't have the understanding for. So it's not that the child is non-binary, it's that the child just doesn't have any gender yet. We have become so open-minded that our brains are falling out. But one organization is turning the tables on who's turning the pages. Drag Queen Story Hour. Drag Queen Story Hour. Drag Queens reading to our kids. The Boston Public Library allowed drag queens dressed as Catholic nuns called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to read to kids. For me, this was exciting. This is, this is normal. That's Multnomah. According to an attendee, the drag queen strode suggestively past the children, sitting down in a chair before several preschool-aged girls with his legs spread wide, exposing his nylon-covered crotch in front of the children sitting at eye level. Earlier this year, the Houston Public Library admitted that one of the drag queens they allowed to perform in front of kids was actually a 32-year-old sex offender who was convicted in 2008 of assaulting an 8-year-old boy. A drag queen performs in a nightclub for adults. There is a lot of filth that goes on, a lot of sexual stuff that goes on. And backstage, there's a lot of nudity, sex, and drugs. So I don't think that this is a, a, an avenue you would want your child to explore. And yet we're mentoring children to become drags. He's my baby. What else am I supposed to do but support him? It disturbs me that people think that we're, you know, sexualizing them. I'm not Ralph anymore. And the cartoons. I'm Every Rachel. single cartoon I'm outlet. They prefer they them pronouns. As a friend and lover, there is none truer than you. Bud, what's going on? <laughs> lifetime. Oh, you're so corny. Other accepted students totally get me. Anything's possible when you know some pony as well as we know each other. Uh, I'm straight. I mean, I'm mostly straight. I should just, sorry, I gotta go cook this. Also, I'm married. But if I wasn't, who am I kidding? You're out of my league. Mr. Ratburn, Arthur's teacher, was seen walking down the aisle with his aardvark partner. Was me. Steven Universe about a gender non-conforming boy who is friends with extraterrestrial non-binary beings. The two kissed in the season finale. I'm gay. RuPaul for one has said that Bugs Bunny was his first introduction to drag. Doesn't it just fill you with Nickelodeon pride, showing who you are on the inside with the pride flag up high be true to you. This family has two mommies. This family has two daddies. These fathers this is for toddlers. Trans members of this family all love each other so proudly and they all go marching in the big parade. 
the gay BCs. Kids three to seven years old. B is for bi. You can shout it out loud. I like boys and girls, and that makes me proud. D is for drag. You can strut and dance in clothes that you love, dresses, heels, or pants. And then you just move your thumb up and down like that. And that's Teaching children How come my penis gets big sometimes and points up in the air? That's called an erection. Sometimes I touch my penis because it feels good. This is a queer read, a queer positive read. The Holy Bible, Sodom and Gomorrah is a queer positive story. There's no such thing as a gay Justin Christian. Justin Lee. Hello? He was I'm part right of here. the Gay Do Christian Network. Do you now Network. believe that it's possible to change your sexual orientation? Alan Chambers. No, I don't. Um, no one changes. 9999% of the people that I have met have not changed their sexual orientation. I was being asked to choose between the two most important parts of my life, my child and my church. I chose my child. Rob and I have begun to officiate LGBTQ weddings too. As pastors, Rob and I represent the voice of God, and it's a voice of love. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. There is a little bit more to this video. This is the end. There we go. Hey, Transformation Life Church, there's hope. That looks pretty grueling, didn't it? Wasn't that pretty, pretty grueling? That's pretty awful, honestly. And, and what was so important is so many people are in the dark at the level of assault, uh, propaganda on our children in this nation. You realize from kindergarten, even preschool now, all the way up into higher learning, even in our seminaries and Bible colleges now, they are teaching what's called sexual minorities. The Gospel Coalition. We've got some, some places in the highest places of Christianity that I've been confronting that are propagating a message of heresy to the church. But there's hope. Now I want to share a little bit of hope with you all today from the Bible, from my story, um, and giving an overview and some understanding about homosexuality. A lot of people have questions about this subject matter, and I'm here to empower and to empower the church to be all it's supposed to be. Technology is great when it works. Click. I don't know why it's not moving forward. I might need some help. I've got it on. It's just not moving forward now. Okay. So I want to give understanding. and um, Yeah, is it going to let me do it now? I'm sorry. Usually works pretty great. Am I somehow turned off on this? Okay, let me... Again. Work in Jesus' name. <laughs> Boom! I guess they got to get closer. But Psalms 19.7 says, The testimony of the Lord makes wise the simple. Everyone's testimony here, everyone's life-giving power of the grace of God, the Word of God being sown deep inside your soul, is to be a testimony to, to, to bring forward the, the gospel of Jesus Christ so people can find freedom. 
Titus 2, 11 and 12, chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. But it says that the grace of God has appeared unto all men, bringing salvation. And it does something. The grace of God, in the next verse says, instructing us to deny ungodliness and to live righteously and godly in this present life. And it goes on to say that this grace does something. That grace actually gives you the ability of having a mindset, which I'm all about now, Coram Deo. Coram Deo, and you may have seen it, and you'll see it back there, is the Latin phrase, it's a theological understanding of Coram, presence of Deo God. That's the DNA of my life, as you'll hear in my testimony, of, of seeing heaven and hell, lots of death, lots of understanding that life is but a vapor. And so the testimony also does this in the grace of God that inside of you, you are looking for the blessed hope and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this weekend was Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets, right? Could have happened. Wished it did. I was praying, God, please, let, can I just, let's all go home. But there's a lot of work to be done. Apparently, here we are on Sunday, the trumpet didn't blow. And I love blowing the shofar. I saw a shofar there a minute ago. I was tempted to grab that thing. Feast of Trumpets, right? Someday we're going to hear that sound. And when we do hear that sound, things are going to change big time. So my testimony, I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony that's also given some empowerment to the truth um, of what I'm sharing today based upon life experience. But the Word of God coming and changing me. So in 1981, uh, my little brother died, and it caused me to, to deal with heaven and hell profoundly. This is a picture of me having toured England and uh, uh, with a very powerful and wealthy man, and I was totally gay identified. But Mother's Day, 1981, my little brother, who was 18 months younger than me, uh, died and on you know you can imagine a mother uh, having to deal with a son 18 dying on mother's day it turned our family upside down and it caused me for a year and a half to cry out to the lord to uh, understand where is chris you know where, what, what what's happened to him and uh, i cried out to the lord and i'm going to read this because it's in context of my testimony psalms 19 it says the law of the lord is perfect Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the stem simple. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are righteous and true. They're righteous altogether. More to be desired than gold, than yea, fine gold and sweeter also than the honeycomb, and moreover by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them is great reward. And I'm so grateful for the word of God. As I cried out that year and a half, as Psalms 30 says, I extol you, O Lord, for you lifted me up, for you have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out. Do you know what that word cried out means? It means... Crying at the top of your lungs, screaming out to God. 
when you see in Psalms cry out, um, you know, therapeutically and also biblically, there's something that happens when you go out into a field and just cry out with all your heart to God. And I've done that with clients. I've done that in my own life. This little Catholic altar boy learning about this radical, honestly, move of the power of the Holy Spirit that hit this little Baptist church I was going to. It was called the, the Fullness Movement in the late 70s and early 80s. And I was exposed to things that were kind of like today. You know, your worship, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, believing in miracles. We saw a little boy that was um, um, seven years old, had polyps all through his intestines. They said they gave him six months to live. And that pastor at that time, he said, can we just believe James chapter 5 and call for the elders of the church and anoint him with oil? And that boy was radically, completely, absolutely healed. And that turned that little Baptist church upside down. So I was ruined for God when I gave my life over to the Lord as a result of being with a family in uh, 1983. I was, um, had been crying out to the Lord that year and a half, and I was in this little trailer house, and these people were talking about Jesus in ways I'd never heard. And I thought, these people are crazy. And I heard, they're assembly of God. And oh, I thought, those are those Pentecostals. And I've been warned about them because, you know, they roll on the floor and foam at the mouth. That's what I was taught, right? As a Protestant. Those Protestants, they're bizarre. So I was kind of tentative going into this house with this friend who had been out partying in a gay bar the night before. But I had this thing, this drawing, because I've been crying out to the Lord. And, you know, I get questions all the time how can we make a difference? Well, these people were living such a godly life. And when I walked into their home, the presence of Jesus came over me. I didn't know that's what it was. And I heard this voice inside of my, my, my head, in my body, and it was trembling. The power of the Holy Spirit came on me, and my heart just began to race. And I heard this voice that says, if you do not accept me tonight, you will die. Well, that was 1983, folks. Do you know in the hospitals in, in the summer of 19, that was February 1983. Do you know what happened in the summer of 1983 in all the hospitals in Oklahoma City? We heard about this mysterious disease where all these men were starting to die. And for three years, we saw an epidemic of men dying like flies. Half the people, by the time I met my wife three years later and Mary, half the people I knew in the gay community were dead. And I mourn over that. But the Lord, when he said to me that night, if you do not accept me tonight, you're going to die. Do you understand that he was saving me? He was plucking me out. The grace and the mercy of God to pull me out for such a time as this. Now let me tell you, this, this ministry has been rough, rough. But I praise God he has saved me for such a time as this. So I went home that night because the girl I was with after praying with their family, um, and, and by the way, you know, I was raised Catholic and there was always a crucifix. And a crucifix all in my house my, growing up. And it was the dead man on the cross. I knew it was the Son of God, but it didn't really, I didn't totally understand this amazing blood atoning sacrifice of the Creator. And when we were praying, all of a sudden Jesus was alive on the cross, suffering. For my sin and all my sin come up out of me and into his body. And he who knew no sin became sin on my behalf. That I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus.
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. was amazing. These people provided an atmosphere for me to encounter Christ. And then I went home and my, my parents, my mother had bought my dad a blessed Pope version of the, uh, the big Catholic Bible. This thing is this thick. If you see the documentary in his image, and we'll talk about it, um, that AFS, uh, AFA and AFS, their subsidiary, created in his image.movie, I'm holding as B-roll the very Bible that the Lord used. But I prayed over this thing, folks. I literally, this big old Bible, I prayed over it. And, and I said, because my, my parents' priest had told me that my little sister, my, my brother's twin, at her wedding reception, I know why you haven't been coming to Mass. Wink, wink. All the more reason to come to Mass. I'm like, oh wow, my parents' priest just tried to seduce me. And then later on, after, I, after my little brother's funeral, I did find out there's a bunch of gay priests and gay ministers. And they had their little secret world in the 70s and the early 80s. Now it's just kind of open. They don't even care anymore. And so I went home and I thought, does this book have anything to say about this? <laughs> I prayed over this giant Bible and where on earth am I going to look? And folks, I literally did this. And I fell down and there was a title above the scripture and it said laws on sexual immorality. Praise His holy name. If you want the truth, He'll give you the truth. And it starts with the law of God, converting the soul, making wise the simple. For the law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul, causing you to see your sin. My eyes fell down on Leviticus 18, verse 22. And there it was, in black and white, a man shall not lie with a man as he does with a woman. Such a thing is an abomination. And I looked at that word abomination, I thought, oh my goodness, that's got to mean something bad. Now, segue to this, something the Lord dropped in my heart and some teaching on this whole gay Christian stuff and, you know, the assault on the word of God and the law of God about the word abomination. Like, it's an abomination to eat shellfish or it's an abomination to wear uh, different clothing uh, that are woven together two different fabrics. These things are an abomination. What does the word abomination mean? In context of a holy and awesome God who is 1 John chapter 4, love. Abomination says, I love you, and I'm trying to protect you from something that you eat that will make you sick, by woven clothing that will make you weak, Israelites, ceremonial law because I want you to stay clean because I love you and I'm trying to protect you from things you don't even know about like bacteria. What an awesome loving God. But also I want to protect you from hell because God's moral law never changes, folks. From Genesis to Revelation, you, stealing, lying, covetousness, idolatry, sexual immorality, idolatry of every form, never changes in all eternity. And so God is saying, I love you. I'm trying to protect you from destruction. That's what abomination means. 
So that's my testimony in that we, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1 says, we comfort those with the same comfort that we ourselves have received. And I want to comfort people to know that there really is freedom in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been spending the last 40 years of my life telling people that this word is true, that the word of God is true. One of my life verses is Psalms 107 verse 20. And he sent his word to heal them and to deliver them from their destruction. Do you know I should be dead? That's why I'm excited about this. That's why I proclaim loudly this truth because I want people to be set free and I want the church to stop lying to people that they can't change. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Anybody can change anything. You know, you really can if you put your energy to it. But what about the grace and the power of Almighty God? Can He change people? Of course He can. And then when you're rocking, okay, um, I, man, okay, so this is, you know, kind of the before and after. Well, I was sexually abused. And I had a lot of confusion. I had a lot of brokenness. I was beat up. I was raped. I had horrible things happen to me that psychologists would say, someone like me cannot exist. Because once you're orientated towards this perversion and you've lived in that lifestyle of sexual sin, you can't change. I'm telling you, He's changed me. He's changed me. I'm married and I love my wife. And I, well, of course, some of them will say, well, you were really never a gay man. You were bisexual. Like, that's so stupid. Let me tell you something, folks. We're all sexual beings, okay? Made in the image of God, male and female. And you can be as sexual as you want in sin in any way. Any of us can. You know, in, in female prisons, they say, and I've been a chaplain in prison, they say, gay for the stay, ladies. Because you better pair up, because if you don't, you will be in big trouble. You will be hurt. That's what they say in the female prisons. And in the male prisons, you don't even want to hear what they say there. Because it's ugly. And they beat men down and force them to do things they would never dream of doing. I had one young man uh, come up to me. He was in there for murder at age 21 and beat 01 in one of the biggest prisons in Texas. And he's just weeping. He said, I've been here for seven years. And he said, when I got here, I was never attracted to my same sex. He said, but since I've been here, it was forced on me. And he said, now I just, I'm addicted to it. I can't stop. He said, how am I going to stop in here? And I said, by the grace of God. And you get boundaries in your life and you get these chaplains and you get these wardens to help you and you can do it. It may mean some segregation. It may mean some separate time. But you absolutely can. But this young man didn't even have a propensity towards homosexuality until he went into prison. So don't tell me, like Oswald Chambers says, you can't become twice the man of hell that you think is in prison. Because we all can. And if you don't know that about yourself, you don't know yourself very well. We can all become, given the right circumstances, with the right sin being sinned against, terrible addicted, very broken, sexually perverse people because we are sexual beings and we have been made in the image of God that sex was given as a beautiful gift to do what is right, to procreate. So that's the before, after, and now. 
And then, you know, the testimony continues, right? Well, 12 years ago, on the very day, I take a national stand against Exodus, put out the emails. My daughter, Charity Hope, is rushed to the hospital. She's a daddy's girl. I have three adult children. And on that night, she is... Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.